And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another, oh boy, just thoroughly disappointed road episode of the Assembly Call. As today, your Indiana Hoosiers fall with a whimper in Ann Arbor, 89-65 to <coughs> to the Michigan Wolverines. The loss drops the Hoosiers to 16-9 and overall, 6-8 and in conference play, and into sole possession of 12th place in the Big Ten on a day where, you know, there were a few bright spots offensively, but... Indiana's defense was about as good as my voice sounds, which was not good at all, all day long. And we're going to talk about it on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Chad Schwartzkopf and Ryan Phillips. And let's start this show the way that we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. You know, and not a lot to choose from in this game, but really you've got to go with one of two guys. You've either got to go with Al Durham's offense or Deron Davis's. And I'm going to go with Deron because I thought there was a stretch in the first half that was really, really important from him. You know, Indiana was down 12, felt like a bit of a danger zone, you know, where Michigan might push it out to a 15, 16 point lead by the half. But Duran went on a personal 4-0 run where he hit a little hook shot on the right baseline, then hit a little shot on the left baseline. Both are really tough shots. Obviously not the kind of shots that you're going to want to live with, but Duran has proven that when he's healthy, when he's out there, he can make them. And those buckets Brought Indiana within eight. Uh, the Hoosiers would end up being within seven at the half. Uh, and they were two of, uh, I believe, nine made field goals for Deron Davis, uh, who on the day finished with 18 points, nine of nine made field goals. You know, had struggles defensively like everybody else did, but, you know, showed that he's a guy that Indiana can play through and that that offensive skill is still there. So not a lot of positives today, but certainly Deron Davis's offense warrants mention, and it was nice to see him go do the things that we know he can do, and hopefully that's something that we will see uh, from him more as we go throughout the rest of the season. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and that remains based in Indianapolis. You know, our friends at Homefield, they were there for our event at Switchyard last Saturday. And they have over 70 plus schools now, you know, all, you know, on their website. But Indiana remains their first love. Huge supporters of IU Athletics, huge supporters of this show. And that's certainly one reason why you should support them. But, you know, you go to Home Field Apparel, you're buying apparel. You want to buy something that's comfortable, something that looks, that looks cool. And that's why the two most important reasons to go to Home Field Apparel and to shop are because their gear is ridiculously comfortable, whether you get a t shirt or a hoodie or a long sleeve tee, whatever it is, it's comfortable the moment that you unwrap it from the package and it stays comfortable even after you wash it. And they have some of the most unique logos that you will find anywhere. And that's their entire MO. They go and pull old logos, old brand marks from yesteryear, bring them back, give them a second life uh, so that you can really make a statement uh, with your IU fandom or, you know, give it as a gift to someone else. So go to homefieldapparel.com and because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order, use the promo code ASSEMBLY20, that's ASSEMBLY20, at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today and get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right. Well, now, before my voice gives way, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, Chad, we will go to your you first, your opening thoughts on another disappointing IU road loss. Uh, unmute yourself. Uh, just the the most aggravating thing uh, 
all Indiana Hoosiers, we need to go to our dictionaries at home and cross out the word consistency. That is the biggest word that can just plagues this team. Uh, consistent consistency of leadership, consistency of effort. I mean, basically just take whatever basketball term you want to and put the word consistency before it. And that is basically what is going on with this team. Uh, can't find the great leadership. Uh, I hearken all the time when I talk uh, on my morning shows about finding the bulldog player on this team. And I just, they can't find that bulldog player, that, that player that doesn't want to lose, that player that's just fighting tooth and nail. I think we saw a little bit of that from Al Durham uh, today at, towards the end and, and a little bit in the first half, but that was kind of lost in that bad stretch of the game. Uh, but it's just, it's just aggravating uh, where we're going to find that the toughness of this team and the leadership of this team uh, going down the stretch. Because now, guess what? It's starting to mean more and more each and every game that we play. And if we continue to drop, uh, it's just going to get worse. Yep. All right. Over to Ryan now for his rant. <laughs> Lots to choose from. I, it's hard to win a game when you don't play any defense whatsoever. And and this wasn't look, Xavier Simpson's really good and he's tough to defend. He'd be tough to for anybody to defend on that team. You know, that's understandable. He's gonna carve you up. I think we all figured that would happen. It was just gonna be about how they responded to it and how everyone else didn't. Kind of hoping that Xavier maybe had an off game. Um, but there was just no effort from Indiana today. I mean, just no effort defensively. I mean, Justin Smith was sleepwalking through the game at times. He got beat back door. He would, you know, react late to a pass, then fly right by his guy who would then drive on contested to the hoop. Uh, You know, I'm picking on Justin there, but that was everybody. I mean, that was just everybody who stepped up on this team. Al Durham should have never been on Xavier Simpson. He got beat consistently by Simpson. He's just not that good a defender to defend a guy off the dribble. He's not a good enough defender to put. Rob Finnessy, that's your cover. You've got to embrace that, and you've got to at least – slow him down a little. Didn't do it. Uh, Devontae Green was out there. I I actually thought Devontae looked pretty engaged at times, but you know, it was grading on a curve based on what this team was doing today. It was horrible. And you can't, you can't win a game giving up what 89 points. You're just not going to win with this team and the way they play offense. You're not going to win. And this is yet another performance that there have been some 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 losses that wound up being about nine point games that were really 20 point losses where Indiana closed the gap late to make it look better. But this is about the fifth 20 point loss on the road for Indiana this year, it feels like. And it's at some point, I, I, I know the players are not what you want them to be and not who you'd want them to be and maybe not who Archie would choose to have on his roster. But at some point, this coaching staff has to take that responsibility is. We can't just come out and get de-pantsed on the road in the Big Ten every night. I mean, there needs to be some level of commitment and, and, and also change. You have to change what you're doing if it's not working. If you're getting beat the same way consistently, change everything. Do uh, you Turn it upside down. I joked one time, maybe you fly in the day of the game instead of giving them a night in you know, the other town. And then they went to Nebraska the day of and wound up actually winning a road game. Like, I... I'm not really kidding about that. They need to do something different because whatever they're doing, however they're spending their time when they go on the road is not effective because they come out flat and and <clears throat> just get beat up on the road. And it's consistent. And, and here's the thing. It's happened for three years now. We've seen it for three years, this similar pattern emerge. So whatever you're doing, if you're a coach, you need to recognize that and alter it. The other thing that needs to be altered is the hard hedge 25 feet from the basket. Teams have adjusted to that and are now beating Indiana on it consistently. 
Joey Bronk is not quick enough to get back on defense when he does that. Deron Davis, God love him. He, he showed a lot of effort today and he played hard today. He's not quick enough to get back. Trace Jackson Davis is a freshman. He's not comfortable doing that yet. You know, he hasn't been in the system. He doesn't, you know, whatever. And maybe he needs to unlock some more athleticism. You know, the longer he's in the strength program, maybe he'll be fantastic at it next year. This year, he's not. They don't have guys who can do that consistently. Go out 25 feet from the basket, defend a dribbler, and then haul ass back and get under the hoop and defend their the post guy. They do not do that well. And I would say at two you know, two fists of, of, of Michigan's points today came directly off of that. And Iowa did it, and, and other teams have done it to this team. I mean, Purdue did it constantly. You have to recognize what's happening on the floor, where you're getting beat, and realize, okay, we should not do that anymore because we, even though that's in ideal world what we would like to do and be able to do, we don't have the personnel to do that. We need to change our approach if we want to win games this year. If your goal is to win games this year, you can't do that anymore. Because this is not the team to do that with. Joey Bronk had a nice four or five weeks where he was playing really well. He has not played well for now three more, three weeks in a row. There are better people to be out there than him. And he's starting and he's playing 20 minutes a game. That's unacceptable right now. Joey Bronk is not playing well. Maybe he'll pick it up again. But until he does, there's no reason for him to be starting and there's no reason for him to be playing as well as he is or playing as much as, much as he is and for being such a focal point of the team. You can't do that. You have to change things. You cannot be stubborn if you want to win games. Other teams are seeing this on film and know where to beat you and where to let the ball go on when they're playing defense and you're on offense and then where to go when you're on defense. People see these games. They are broadcast. I mean, it's easy for us to pick it up. Archie and the coaching staff need to change what they're doing because it is not working. Yeah, you beat Iowa. Devontae Green got 27 points in that game, and Iowa only had six scholarship players. Yeah, you played better, but you got to realize what it what happened there and pull back and understand that you got four out of five on the road, including this one coming up. You're going to lose some of these games unless you change what you're doing. Yeah, uh, Ryan, I, I agree, Chad, and I want to get your thoughts on that too. I mean, like I get on the one hand, you know, you're a new coach, and you're trying to bring your system in and and you want to be stubborn to a point because you want to you know you want to build what you're doing but you know right now we're trying to run a defense and and you know that relies on ball pressure and if you're going to hedge ball screens relies relies on having mobile big men with good feet and we don't have either one of those things and so you know against certain matchups it's going to be okay you know like Indiana matches up defensively okay against Michigan State you know the defensive game plan against Iowa I thought was smart but this game in particular was going to be a very tough matchup for Indiana because of the way Michigan plays. They've got a good point guard who can get into the lane. They spread you out with shooters. You know, they don't stick their big man inside all that much. And so, you know, it looked to me like Indiana, you know, kind of spread the pack line out just a little bit so that they could maybe prevent, you know, some of the some of the shooting, but then they were still helping off. They were still doing the hard hedge and it just you know, so now the lane is even more open and guys are driving because we can't contain the dribblers and they're getting the wide open threes because we're helping. And it didn't seem like we really adjusted all game. And I, I agree. That's a major frustration because frankly, you know, the way Michigan plays offense is the way a lot of good teams play offense. You know, that's the way that basketball is going. And I don't think that it's that the pack line can't do it because we're seeing the pack line be successful elsewhere. Yeah, but it's the not pack the line defense, with it's this the personnel, and, and it's also, you know, it's this personnel, and it's also no defense is going to work when guys aren't fully bought into it and going balls to the walls and playing really hard. And so we saw that 
kind of toxic sludge today of a bad matchup, you know, bad personnel for that matchup and guys really just not selling out to execute it. And that's how you get Michigan with, you know, 1.483 points per possession and then no real adjustments during the game to stop it. So, I mean, it was an all systems failure on defense and, you know, I do place a lot of the blame on the players, but I ultimately, Chad, pushed this to the coach because, you know, some of these guys are being asked to play a defense that they're not ideally suited to play. And it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of adjustments made to account for that. And again, yeah, I get yeah. it from the coach's perspective, the stubbornness, but to Ryan's point, you're not going to win a lot of games in the meantime if you're going to keep doing that. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it on the on the nail. It's the perfect storm in this game against it because we're coming uh, off a quick turnaround for one. And we're playing a team that's very good ball movement, very good screening, and uh, just a very efficient team uh, against a team that's going to high hedge and and do the type of things that we try to do on defense. Um, I'm I'm fine with the coaching staff starting a game, maybe uh, uh, trying some of this, but yeah, it, it, we're getting into crunch time. When when the team was comfortably in. Uh, the tournament, when we felt good about where we were and everything, I feel like it was fine with us staying with that mentality. But now it's getting to crunch time uh, and we need to win games. So we need to maybe if we if you still want to be uh, hard headed as, as a coaching staff and want to instill and keep grinding in uh, this pack line, start that with for the first two, three minutes of the game. If you're getting beat on that high hedge, we need to immediately find a different game plan and, and, and change from that. Figure out something that, that's going to uh, uh, help us change, change what's, what's, what's not working. Yeah, I think, I think one thing to, to note here today is just they got out-efforted. They got outworked. I mean, Joey Brock was getting outworked on rebounds all afternoon. I, it's, you know, that was just a specific one that jumped out to me. But it, this is a team that out rebounds pretty much everybody, Indiana, and they got rebounded 37 to 21 by Michigan. 37 to 21. And remember, folks, Michigan is not a good team. They're an average team at best. And Indiana got the brakes beat off them. I mean, that's that should be embarrassing to everybody that wears that jersey. It should be embarrassing to the coaching staff. It be, it's embarrassing to fans. I can tell you right now, it was embarrassing to me. I, I, you know, to to just get absolutely run off the floor and to get beat on effort plays. Like, it's one thing if a team hits a bunch of threes and runs you out the building. You'll take that as long as you're playing hard. They were not playing hard. I mean, they, rebounds are effort and focus. That's all it is. And and they got beat by 16 rebounds. 60, they only had 10 rebounds in the second half. 10. Well, it was perfectly so, personified at the eight-minute mark when we had four guys versus one of their players under the yep. basket on a missed three. And he wanted it more. Three of our guys were standing there watching the ball go up. Yep. You could see it on the replay. And obviously, Archie didn't like that timeout immediately. And and while I think that they did answer a little bit at that point, because that was when uh, the game kind of turned around a little bit, at least in the first half. And we had those great moments by Duran uh, that you talked about in the banner moment. And we at least got it within six to go into half. So it was still within reach at that point. The, there was some effort starting to turn on there out of that turn uh, timeout. But uh, then the second half, like you said, just it just fell apart from there. Well, and think about it. I mean, Indiana came out within seven on the road. And, and I mean, look, we were texting in our group, in our group text and it, it was, you know, they had no chance. They just, they, they were lucky to be where they were down seven. They'd shot like one free throw in the first half. I mean, that means you're not going to the basket enough and, and it means you're not throwing it inside and playing through the paint the way you want to and finishing strong is the other thing. Um, 
Trace Jackson Davis had one shot in the first half and he was 0 for 1. Uh, you know, those things, you look at those metrics and you're like, all right, Indiana's going to get beat today. That's just, that's not the way they play. They got beat by 17 in the second half. I mean, you have a chance to win the game on the road, to win a conference game on a road. You're within seven, you're within 10. You have a chance to win a game. I mean, yeah, that's the, the way basketball is these days. You hit two shots and you're all of a sudden you're within two scores and, and, and you hit two threes. You're within, you know, four points. I, I, like you, you can, you can certainly come back from that on the road, especially against, again, against a team in Michigan that isn't that good. It's an okay Big Ten team. It's not a great team. Uh, and they got hammered by 17 in the second half. I mean, that's just giving up. And that's just, you know, there were times on defense, they just didn't want to do the work on defense. That's what it was. Guys so, get the ball in a position to drive, and they just kind of were flat-footed, let him go right by him, kind of make like a flail like they were trying to play defense, but they weren't. It was fake hustle and it was fake effort. And it's it, you know, that I'm tired of seeing that. And I've seen that a lot from this team, and I've seen that a lot from over the last 2 years. I'm tired of seeing it. I want to see some consequences for the people that do that. I agree. So you bring up an interesting point, which was, you know, they they kind of gave up, right? I actually thought at the beginning of this game and I know it you know, requires a lot to think back that far after so much bad play. I actually thought Indiana was playing pretty hard at the very beginning. And I think in some of these road Agreed. losses, Indiana has played hard at the beginning. But it's like the opposition, the more that what they're doing is working and what we're doing isn't, they just chip away at our confidence and chip away at our effort. You know, the, the Iowa game, things are kind of going and we keep the effort going. You know, we have kind of front-running effort that as long as things are going well, we continue to play hard. When things stop going well, it's like we don't have that rudder to fall back on, whether it's leadership, whether it's belief in the system, whether it's consequences to your point, Ryan, that, you know, when the back kind of gets gets up against the wall, you're like, okay, you know, I know things aren't working right now, but we're going to stay hard. You know, we're going to we're going to keep playing hard and we're going to keep this going. And that's what is the most frustrating thing to me. And that's why, look, I think it is easy and fair to criticize the players for not playing hard. Because they didn't. But I also think that is too simplistic of an explanation. Because these are guys that we have seen play hard. You know, but for whatever reason, you know, either they don't believe enough in the system, there aren't the consequences from the coaches. You know, I think there has, you know, us kind of analyzing this, there has to be some accountability to the bench for the reason why these just slow, steady declines in in effort and focus on the road continue to happen. Because at the end of the day, you know, there have to be boundaries for players that they understand. And it doesn't seem like there really are for this group, nor does it seem like a group that is fully bought in to the strategy that the coaching staff is selling, which is a major concern, you know, three years in. And obviously, they've been good enough to win 16 games. It hasn't been all bad, but you go up against a good team on the road, and this is what happens. It's very, very frustrating, obviously. But I just, I think it's, there are probably a lot of reasons for it. And I want to make sure that we don't just focus on the simplistic the players didn't play hard. That obviously was the proximate cause, but I think there's probably a lot of other reasons falling into that that need to start on the sidelines. Well, here's the thing. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm stating the fact that the players didn't play hard. I don't know why. I mean, I certainly don't know why. Maybe it's, again, because there are no consequences for not hustling. If you do a three-minute stretch where you don't hustle, you might get taken out, but you're getting put back in. You know, I mean, there's there's been no evidence that guys are just going to get buried on the bench for a game. I I think we maybe seen that once with Devontae Green this year, where he you know made some stupid plays and got benched for the rest of the game. Other than that, I mean, have we seen 
a, a guy like Justin or Joey play stupid and not wind up coming back in a game. You know, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fed up with watching this team just come out and lay eggs on the road. And, and it's been a pattern for Indiana basketball for a long time, but I feel like the last three years, there have been games where it's like, Hey, you got a chance here against Penn state. They were tied at halftime. They had a great chance against a good team. And then they just wilted in the second half. And it's a soft mentality. It's, you know, it's as soon as things don't get right, they just wilt. And it's, you know, that that's unforgivable because that's just being soft. And that's just not, you know, that's, it's sort of being sad that things aren't going your way and, and, and falling apart. That's, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate sin in sports is to be soft like that. And, and to see this team consistently be soft is, and the difference is, is that sometimes at home they face a counterpunch and maybe it's the crowd or whatever. They get back up and they, they get into it, but you know what? You got to win games on the road too. And you you, you also blew two conference games. You should have won. You got to make up for that somewhere. And so that means you're going to have to go get road wins. And so, you know, you, you melted down against Maryland when that game was in the bag and gave that win away. You didn't show up against Purdue against a very beatable Purdue team that's struggling to win games at home and against worse teams. And you do both of those. You put yourself against the eight ball. Now you have to show up on the road. And this team just, it's almost like it doesn't take the pride in, in, in wearing that Jersey and going out on the road and being like, Hey, Indiana's coming to town. We're going to give them our best shot. And it doesn't take the, they, it's almost like they don't take the pride to like rise to that level. And it, it's really embarrassing as a fan to watch because we watched it several times now and we've watched it last year and we watched it the year before. And, you know, we watched it during the Tom Crean era as well. It's not like this is just an Archie problem. So I don't know if it's the players or what, or, or it, it needs the coaching staff needs to change, completely change what they're doing. But it's embarrassing to watch because they just don't show up. And, and when they do show up, they show up in spurts and then they disappear. And quite frankly, it's, it's unacceptable. And that's, we, you know, maybe our expectations are too high for Indiana basketball and all of that. And you, you hear that too. It's like, oh, the big Ten's really tough this year. Yeah. But that shouldn't matter to Indiana basketball. Indiana basketball should rise to that level and, and, and push it. If other teams can win on the road, Indiana should be able to win on the road and, and Indiana can't this year. Chad, you want the last word on this? Yeah, it's just I, I struggle to find how to when we struggle so much on offense, finding the guy that's going to be that score. I want to be able to use the bench to curtail some of that effort, like like you said. But I think those guys that you put on the bench to uh, punish them for bad effort we end up needing them back in there because of offense or for some other reasons. I think too many people are lacking that that effort that uh, maybe, like we said, maybe it isn't a walk-on situation putting them in, but I, I struggle to figure out how we can use the bench as a motivator when we have to test the water so much with many different lineups with this team. Yep. Okay. Coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Michigan today, I will point out today's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important and depressing statistical notes from the game. Oh, boy. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Do we have to? <laughs> Hey, 
Hey, this is Matt Spielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised six man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. All right. Thank you, Max. I'm Jared Morris here with Chat Mob Chad Schwartzkoff and Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's uh, just devastating road loss to Michigan today. I apologize for my voice battling a case of what is likely strep throat, uh, but trying to uh, to power through here uh, on the post game show. So a couple meaningful moments, guys, and you know piggybacking off of our last conver- or our conversation from the end of the last segment. You know I want to go to the 14:06 mark of the second half. And it was one of many shots of Archie Miller on the sidelines, just kind of sitting on one knee, staring into the abyss, clearly annoyed. And we've seen more and more of these lately where they'll go to Archie and he's rolling his eyes or shaking his head or just kind of looking at the action on the court with disdain. And I don't necessarily fault him for the emotion because I think he's channeling what a lot of us feel watching those particular plays. But in that moment, I found myself, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I may be overreacting, so that's why I'm bringing it up. I found myself thinking, you know, I'm getting a little tired of his body language on the sidelines with some of this stuff because I get that he's frustrated, but at times it feels like, you know, the players start to kind of take on the energy that he's giving on the sideline. And, you know, I, I get that he's frustrated with his guards and the guys aren't executing, but, you know, the game plan wasn't perfect either. Like, we could all see the holes in the game plan. And, you know, starting Joey Brunk in the second half when you're down by seven, like, I get that you want to stick with your starting lineups, but, you know, that wasn't really working in the first half. Maybe you do something different. So, again, I understand why he's looking on the court in frustration, but for a team that really seems to have a disconnect between coach and player, you know, maybe glancing over and seeing their coach looking at them like that, but then they're not actually being consequences to match it, I don't know. It just it 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 rubbed me the wrong way. It's been rubbing me the wrong way lately, um, and so I kicked that over to you because again, maybe I'm making too big a deal about it, Ryan. But I'm just getting a little bit tired of seeing it rather than fighting, doing something, making a change that would actually do something. Because clearly, well, the looks of disgust are not doing anything. Well, I'll be honest. After the Tom Creener, I tried to stop analyzing coach body language and uh, and facial expressions, but. It, it, look, I get what you're saying, though. It, it's it's what purpose does that serve? You know, being visibly annoyed on the sidelines. I mean, do something. If you don't like what's on the floor, do something about it and yeah. and uh, call a different play or put different people in there or, you know, whatever. I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. And, and I think that it's also on his assistants too to sort of recognize when that's happening. Be like, hey, no, do you want to put Jerome in? You know, I'm just using an example. Do you want, hey, let's let's put Arma Franklin in there. You know, I mean, like, you know, to, to give suggestions that sort of help change the thing. I mean, that's what they're there for. They're, they're there. Assistants are there to back the coach up and see the things he doesn't see and maybe suggest the things he's not thinking. And, and you know, they're there to, I know it sounds lame, but they're there to assist him. And, and that's, you know, you need that from them as well. And, and I, you know, so when I, when I point out things about the coaching staff, it's not just Archie, it's everybody on that coaching staff needs to, cause they're a team. I mean, just like the team is a team, those guys are a team and they're supposed to work together to figure out the problems and figure out the best way to solve them and, and put the team in the best position to win. And I just, I, I felt like for weeks, we're just, uh, players aren't in the best position to win. And, and, you know, they're not doing, they're not holding up. Players are certainly not holding up their end in a lot of these games, 
But at the same time, it, it needs to be the coaching staff and the players working together to solve these issues. And yeah. there need to be le- leaders on the player side. And I think that we've all kind of heard whispers that there really isn't a lot of leadership from the the roster of this team. And and heard you know, whispers it, and seen it shouted with <laughs> with uh, play. That's I mean, fair. Uh, but I mean, we all know that, you know, we don't, we don't have the, the, the direct problems of what's going on and, and stuff. I mean, we might have an inkling, but you know, we're not in that locker room. We can't point that out, but it, you know, we've heard that and we've heard that it's really tough to find leaders on this team. And, and it's, you know, there's not a lot of communication and there's not, um, there's maybe some things going on that we all as fans, if the, the curtain was pulled back would kind of be horrified to see, but at the same time, I mean, you need to find that from the players and you need to find that from the coaches as well. And there needs to be sort of that relationship between the two. And if there's not, if that doesn't exist, then you're in real trouble. Yeah. And look, I, I want to be clear. It's not the body language specifically that, I mean, I do have an issue with that, but it's more that it is, it's a manifestation of this larger issue that I see of that disconnect between players and coach. Like I, I mean, we've even been talking about like, we aren't the only ones who see that this group of players aren't perfect for Archie's system. Archie is smarter about, you know, Eon's smarter about basketball than we are. So I'm sure he sees that too. And I get that there are frustrations that three years in, he doesn't have the guys that maybe he wants to run the system. But it's like, these are the guys. And you're the coach that has to put them in the best position for this particular team to win. And so just seeing that body language on the sidelines, it just strikes me as, you know... I don't know, a coach that is maybe letting that frustration get to him too much. Well, I mean, I, I see the frustration and I, and I see that moment and uh, I take it as a moment. I mean, I'm not watching coach the whole entire game, so I can't say that that wasn't him the whole time or, or when it was just someone that I work in production. I work in TV production and I know that within those live broadcasts, they have cameras that are always watching those coaches and those directors sitting in those booths watching the, these cameras. They're looking for great moments to go to cut to those cameras and everything like that. So maybe he was in that one moment looking like that. And we're, we've been able to see that on our telecast, but being someone that hasn't been there for the full entire game or watched him consistent, consistently, uh, I have trouble fully jumping to that conclusion that this is how he is all the time, or this wasn't just a, a, a five second moment caught within the, a, a larger game where there maybe were several of them. There were several moments. of them. Okay. So and there have been another games too. Yeah. Well, but, but again, they're, they're looking for those moments, but I, I, I don't know. It, of course, it's, it's, yeah. it, it's tough to find. It's tough to, there's that consistency and that lack of effort in this, in this team is such a large question mark. And being fans, it's so hard to pinpoint where that is with what we see and what, more importantly, what we don't see uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, The other meaningful moment, guys, that I wanted to point out real quick, you know, we talked about the end of the first half, which I thought was, you know, a real bonus for Indiana, you know, to cut it to seven. You know, I talked about Deron, the two shots Deron Davis said Al Durham also had a great drive at the end of the half, got Indiana's first free throw of the half with 10 seconds left, which is telling in and of itself. But, you know, he cut it to seven. But then, you know, you come out at the start of the second half. I was, you know, kind of hoping that we would switch up the starting lineup. Didn't happen. But at one point, Indiana got it down to five. I mean, it was a five-point game there early in the second half. And then a bad stretch from Joey Brunk really did Indiana in. He had two or three possessions where he really just dribbled the air out of the ball inside. Eye-rolling. Meekly put up. And I get it. You know, he's in there. He's trying to score. But, I mean, the two, you know, and he scored on the first possession. But these shots that I'm talking about, he really, I mean, he put it up. It got blocked by Teske. It really had no shot. Then he went down on the other end and got beat. 
then boom, before you know it, it's 51-38. And look, it wasn't just Joey. Trace Jackson Davis didn't run back in transition. Isaiah Livers hit a three. You know, it, it was, again, it was, you know, everybody what I'll say. was what? at fault. I'm say but, 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 but the last Go thing ahead. I want to okay. say about this, and I'll kick it to you, is that, again, you know, you're, it's a seven-point game. You've got a chance here to start the second half. This stubbornness with starting the same guys each game, I kind of get. But my God, when you see the way a game flow is going to start a second half, I think you've got to switch something up. Now, it would be different. You know, if you have five great players, then you can start those players first half, second half, and you're fine. Indiana doesn't have that. If you have a bench where everybody's really comfortable in their role and really consistent, maybe you don't want to mess that up. All right, kind of, but that isn't even it. So I don't have any argument that I can put forth for why you would continue to start the same guys in the second half. And I thought it really hurt Indiana today. You mentioned Trace Jackson Davis uh, not running back on defense. And, and I've seen some comments in the chat about how he you know was off today and he was asleep and it was his worst game, all this stuff. He was Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis is a freshman. He's going to have these games. There's no excuse for Joey Brunk doing what he did today. There's no excuse for the veteran players doing that. Freshmen have an up, have an up and down you know, situation where they're going to have off games. They're young. They're not used to this. They're not used to the pounding they're taking every night, all that stuff. It's, you know, you love to see a guy like Trace as a five-star be great all season. He's going to have up and down games. That's just the nature of being a freshman. It happens to every freshman, except for what, like maybe Carmelo Anthony when he was at Syracuse. I mean, everybody has this. Yeah. So, you know, you see I'm not that worried Trace. about Trace. No, no, I, I know you're not. But like you see that from Trace and you're like, all right, you know what that means? It's on everybody else to pick up their games. And that's that's the key is to have these other guys pick him up and and say, like, all right, we're not getting enough out of Trace tonight. That means Joey got to step up. Duran's got to step up. We got to hit some threes. We got to get to the line and make shots. I mean, that's the difference is, is you have to have people around. It's it's it, That's why getting one five star isn't a big deal. You got to also have a good roster to put him on and, and, and good players around him yeah. who are consistent and can execute and step up. And let me make one more comment, Chad, before I kick it to you, because, you know, I saw a couple of people in the chat saying I'm being a little bit too hard on Brock. I don't think so. It would be different. You might start him in the second half if he was making effort plays and getting rebounds. He had one rebound all game, you know, and there were a few of those, you know, a few of those uh, opportunities, Chad, that you were talking about where they got a rebound in the middle of three or, <clears throat> three or four guys. And Joey was out there for that, you know, and he took 10 shots in his 16 minutes. And I get he's trying to do stuff, but some of those shots were really poor choices to shoot the ball. So, you know, I don't think so. I I don't think, I don't think Joey, like, I don't think he goes out there and loafs, but there are just some matchups for him that are not good. And this is an open floor type of game. This is not a good matchup for him. And if he's not able to impose his will on it, then you got to go elsewhere, especially when you have Deron Davis, who's having the kind of game he's having, and you have a healthy race Thompson. Not that race did much today, but I still think playing him probably gives you a better chance. Yeah, he's a better yeah. fit for this game as far as being an open floor game, being able to defend a little bit more and have more versatility. And look, Race missed a couple shots today, really, you know, in close. Again, he's a young guy you who hasn't played that much. I, you know, I know he's a redshirt sophomore, so technically he's been there for three years. But you have to look at the actual situation where he barely played last year because of an injury. The year before that, he was redshirting. So he's kind of still a freshman in many ways. And, and so he's going to struggle at times, too. But here's the thing about Joey. There is no world in which Joey Brunk should shoot the ball seven times more than Trace Jackson Davis. And Joey would get the ball on the block, and he was not having a good game, and he started forcing things. And that's where it started to go downhill. Is If you've got John Teske on you, and you make a post move, and he doesn't move, 
don't put the ball up because he's just going to block it. And they're not going to on the road. They're not going to give you a foul, a cheap foul call or anything like that. Joey has to read the situation and understand that unless the shot clock's going down, you don't put that shot up. And, and Joey didn't do that today. He kept trying to force things. Uh, he was, he had a couple chances to finish around the hoop where he just missed. And, and, you know, I mean, it just wasn't a good game. And Joey, again, for the last couple weeks, this has been going on. This isn't like this is a one-game thing. He's really been struggling, and he was great for a while. In that Michigan State game at home, he was fantastic. And But since then, he really has been on a downswing and has not been playing well since the Maryland game. And, and that, that Michigan State game and around those games, that's where we, we heard the brunkyard dog. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the guy we wanted to see. The it's guy not the guy's effort, effort that we're worried about, you know? Yeah, it's, well... It, it is recently in these, and I think I think he needs to, when he has bad offensive games like this, I want to see like 10 times the Brunkyard dog come out. And even if he's fouling out because he's being too much effort and being too aggressive, I, I want to maybe at least see that out of him. Maybe if the ball's not going in, do the Zach McRoberts plays. I want to see you on the floor every time. I want to see you just flying around and, and trying to I, I just – out effort everyone, but he, he just, he slows down. I think when he's not making it, then the effort drops for him as well. Yeah. You know, someone asked why single out Brunk, you know, over some other guys. Well, it's only a 60 minute show. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, well, I mean, honestly, could- honestly, the, the reason why I thought this was important is it, it just, it goes back to the issue of kind of judgment from Archie on how he's deploying guys. I just, yeah. I think there's games for Joey to play five minutes and games for him to play 20. I, mean, I just think if you play him that much in a game like this, you're putting him in a position not to succeed, which is what you're happens. You're asking today. to fail. Yeah. So, and look, hey, Deron Davis, I think, has been outplaying Joey Bronk for three weeks. And, and I thought against Purdue, I thought he played very good defense. Uh, he and he didn't really go back in in the second half. And he he came in, played pretty good defense on Trevion Williams, and then we didn't see him again. And and Deron is a guy who, when he gets the ball with his uh, with his back to the basket, particularly if a team is double teaming. He's the best option Indiana has out of the post because he's the best passer. He might be the best passer on the team, Drunk. quite frankly. And, yeah. and, and you know, he's better at doing stuff like that. He's a much more skilled player than Joey Brunk. He can score around the hoop even when there's not much there because he's a better finisher. Yeah, he's not in great shape because of his injuries and because he probably hasn't been able to do a lot of conditioning work with what he's dealing with and what he's been dealing with. But the dude can play. And quite frankly, if we see the next game, and Deron Davis doesn't play more than Joey Bronk, I'm going to have serious questions about Archie's judgment. I really am because Deron is outplaying him right now. Neither one's playing particularly great defense, but at least Deron is giving you something on offense and he sets other people up on offense. It's not just him being a black hole when the ball goes into the post. Deron yeah. was nine for nine in this game. I mean, he didn't have any of the those. Will Sheehy he special today from Deron Davis. <laughs> yeah, 18, po- 18 <laughs> points in 19 minutes for Deron Davis. And, and the no, offensively, it was too. great. And then defensively, he was trying. He was. It's just not a great fit for him because it's an open floor game, as you mentioned. Quite frankly, our best defensive lineup, and look, nobody was playing defense today. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. Uh, singling out Bronker, and nobody played defense today. For, for, you know, nobody, so, literally nobody. Literally nobody literally offered nobody. any resistance. No. Uh, so, you know, singling out Justin or Joey or whoever, no, everybody is at fault for this. And it's going to be horrible watching film tomorrow. I guarantee you. Um, but I, I will say with Duran, at least the effort was there. But if you're going to play this game against Michigan, quite frankly, your best post duo as far as trying to do what you wanted to do is Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis. That, those are your best because they can roll to the basket. They can step out on the floor. They can do things like that. And they didn't really play that much together today. We didn't see a whole lot of it. Um, and, and, and look, Race wasn't great. 
and and Trace wasn't great. But if I'm talking about straight up matchup wise, that's your best post tandem for this game, almost certainly. And, you know, race right now is a guy who does seem to feed off the crowd, which a lot of times young yeah. role players do. You know, you're probably going to get more out of him at home. Think all of his big performances, you know, Wisconsin last year, Michigan State, Iowa. A lot of them have come at home. And that's fine that, you know, young role players, that, that's again, what happens a lot of times. And again, still, with but you him, have to have experienced guys that can help you sure. smooth those out. That's the that's issue. the thing is he's yeah. still he may be a redshirt sophomore, but you have to, again, look at his experience and, and realize that he's still kind of hitting that freshman mark as far as games played and things like that. He's still a guy who's very green at actually going in and playing games. So, you know, you expect those ups and downs with him. Um, all right. So let's talk numbers real quick. And we're going to start with a positive. You may think there's not a positive number today, but there is. And it's 17 points from Al Durham. Oh, okay. I, I, I will actually submit to you that this is one of the best offensive games of Al Durham's career. Easily. Now, defensively, I don't think he was good. And I think he was put in a position to fail when he's guarding Xavier that's Simpson because that's not going to happen. But I thought Al, sometimes he'll put up some empty numbers in some of these road games because he'll hit some buckets late. There, there weren't any empty numbers here. He scored early. You know, he scored when this game was still, I mean, I, I don't know, was it, was it ever really in doubt? But when Indiana was still within arm's length, I, you know, he made two threes early. He had that big and one that I talked about late. He was aggressive. He was driving. He took contact, but most of the time he wasn't just taking the contact to flail around. He was going to make the shot. That's why that one, you know, wild layup that he, that he made when he got fouled. You know, he got five free throws. Our team got 12 total. He, you know, he took 10 field goal attempts. This was a game where no one else was stepping up offensively, and Al said, I got this. He led the team in – oh, he was second on the team in rebounding with four, and he was tied for the lead with two of Indiana's seven assists, which is terrible, and he even had a nice block shot, and he only turned it over once. So this from Al Durham, you know, when we talk about, you know, how he, you know, sometimes doesn't step up to the moment in road games, it's because – like I, this is kind of what I envisioned for him. I feel like he can do this when he's attacking and playing downhill, and he did. So when kudos to Al Durham. There are there aren't many go- good numbers, but his box score line is good, and there's nothing empty about it. Well, no, when he plays downhill and and drives to score, he can he can be a really good offensive player. I mean, he really can, and that's I think what we all expected from him this year. And look what look if he if he has his feet set, he can step into a three. He can hit it too. He's two of three today, and he hit a big one against Iowa as well. <laughs> I mean, we know he can hit those shots, um, and and you're right about the driving. When he drives to score as opposed to drives to draw contact and get fouled, he's a really effective finisher, especially off his left hand. And he, had, he also had that wild one that you mentioned that was just kind of like, how would that go in? Um, but, you know, it defensively, really struggled. You're right, but he was put in a poor situation in the kind of situation that he should, quite frankly shouldn't be put in because he's not a lead guard. He's, he's, you know, the second or third defensive guard in any lineup he's in. And he had to guard Xavier Simpson for a lot of that. It didn't turn out well. Xavier ate him up, but offensively, this is the Al Durham you want to see. He, he set the tone at the beginning of the game and, and made us all hopeful about this game, hitting those two threes and, and playing aggressive. I think he disappeared a little bit uh, in, in the second half for us, and he tried to turn it on at the end with his grit, with some great drives and being aggressive when our offense had kind of gotten stagnant at that point and just led to uh, uh, basically either Al uh, heading to the basket or, or feeding to uh, uh, Deron Davis. But he's the one that, that turns it on for us and, and is the one, while not at the – skilled at the most at driving to the basket is the only one that has the least amount of fear I believe on this team about just putting his head down and getting to that basket at times yeah uh, our best finisher is Rob Fennessy when he decides he wants to finish Al is number two 
Oh boy, I mean, he really is. I uh, I don't know about that anymore. Rob, I think I, th- I think Rob might have been last year. He hasn't been that guy this year. Well, he hasn't. The, the thing is, he's just not driving to the rim as much this year. That's but what he, I when mean. He get, when he, but no, I'm talking about when he actually like ability to finish. When he gets there and finishes, he can finish from weird angles. He can finish from around. You know, he's a great finisher. I, I trust Al more as a the, finisher. The, well, yeah. Rob's skill is there. He's just not using it. And that's what I'm saying is that I think that his skill wise is what I'm talking about. Not like re- consistency or reliability. I'm saying skill wise, he's our best finisher, but Al is probably number two. It's like saying Ryan is the most patient one to wait for talking. He just never does it. I just never do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, exactly all right. What I'm saying, so here, t- t- take your pick of some other numbers here. Let's see. Uh, uh, Michigan shot, shot 22 free throws. We shot 12. Uh, they Only had 37 six. rebounds. We had 21. They had 17 assists. We had seven. They made nine threes. We made three. I mean, I don't know. Like, whatever. The game sucked. The numbers sucked. Uh, like, do you, I was any surprised others you guys want to point, point out? The, the, like, all know, the key on, numbers were terrible. All the getting, key indicators getting on here, were bad today. Getting on here and looking, I was shocked we beat them in points in the paint. I mean, it was 42 to 40, and they hit a bunch of threes. But still, I was shocked. I thought they dominated us in the paint. I mean, they did on the rebounds, but uh, we outscored them in the paint, which was, I mean, almost Duran and out. I saw it. Yeah, really. I mean, you're right. Uh, it, it's... You know, it's shocking again to see that and realize they only made three more field goals than we did, but they hit nine threes, and that was the difference, really. And they obviously eighteen free throws from that. Yeah, Chad. I mean, any was, other there, numbers? There was a horrible point. Uh, I forgot who tweeted it out. Where Simpson had uh, double the amount of assists as IU did combined. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean that that right there shows. I mean, uh, here's here's one. Uh, you're down by seven in the second half, trying to come back. O of six from three. You're trying to come back. You need three pointers, especially when you're not playing great defense. And you know, oh, six from three, and you know, five of eleven at the free throw line in the second half. Yeah, and the other thing that we'll say, and this would be the last number before we go on to the next segment, is you know Rob Finnessy finished with four points, had two assists, and no steals. Xavier Simpson finished with twelve points, eleven assists. He didn't have any steals either, but twelve points, eleven assists. Think back to the off season when we talked about why this team could be good. A big part of that equation was you know Rob Finnessy. Maybe not becoming an elite point guard at the level of Cassius Winston and Xavier Simpson, but being a guy who is maybe honorable mention level, all Big Ten, that could at least battle those guys to a draw. Yep. You know, kind of like what Rob down did. A little. Yeah, kind of like what Rob did against Cassius Winston last year in the Michigan State game. And that was not here at all. I mean, this nope. was this was one of Rob's worst performances because he couldn't keep Xavier Simpson in front of him. He couldn't get things going offensively. You know, and I thought, you know, we talked about, you know, Rob did some nice things as a shooter in the Iowa game, but he really couldn't get going. And, you know, if there's one thing that you absolutely have to have from Rob, I mean, you need a lot from him. But if there's one thing you absolutely have to have from him in a game like this, you have got to make it hard for Xavier Simpson to get in the lane. And it wasn't. And Xavier Simpson had clear vision the whole time. And when you give a point guard like that clear passing lanes, he's going to carve you up. And he did. And so, you know, look. His team, Rob's teammates didn't help him out a lot, but at the no. point of attack, Rob also wasn't good enough. Uh, so. One statistic to note, only one turnover in the second half. <laughs> if you're looking hey. for a silver line. Yay. Right. <laughs> seven total, Michigan had eight, and uh, three of the I seven. I mean, turnovers came, weren't bad. Three of the seven came from Justin Smith. So, well, nobody else had more than one. So, yeah. All right, uh, at least well. they weren't turning the ball over. They, were, they weren't doing anything great with it, but they weren't turning <laughs> it over. We got that for us. Uh, all right, coming up on the assembly call, we will hand out our game balls. You can guess which two guys are going to get mentioned there. Uh, then we'll hit any other lingering storylines and look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. Then it'll be time for last call. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us.
Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Go Hoosiers! Thank you, James. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. I'm Jared Morris, here with Chat Mob Chad and Ryan Phillips. Breaking down Indiana's just demoralizing loss to Michigan today in Ann Arbor. What was it? 24-point loss? Yeah, 24-point loss. 89-65. to Fantastic. Um, It's time now for our game balls. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go first? Only a couple guys to choose from, so which direction are you going? I'm giving it to Duran. Uh, Nine of nine from the field, 18 points in 19 minutes, uh, two rebounds. He he just, you know. He was better than than pretty much other than Xavier Simpson. He might have been the best player on the floor today as far as his ability to to finish and you know, offensively at least, to finish and and have confidence in his shot and uh you know make some plays. So I, I'm I'm giving it to Duran. I thought he played really well. And you're looking at plus minus. He was the best Indiana player at minus three. So um, you know, Armand Franklin played six minutes and was minus seven. Demisi played two minutes and was minus five. So that should just tell you how the game was going for everybody. Uh, but in 19 minutes, he was minus three. So, hey, you get five Deron Davises out there and you only lose by three on the road. That looks a lot better. <laughs> how, now, how exactly would a lineup of five Deron Davises function on a yeah, basketball court? I don't know, but it'd be entertaining, right? It's, <laughs> so, yeah, I gave it to Deron. I thought he had, he had the best game of the year so far. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you there on that one. I've I've got to go Duran as well. Everything that you stated as well. He 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 finally looked like the Duran that we were hoping would come out uh, from last year. A lot year of confidence too. Exactly. Uh, not many crazy. I mean, he was, while he had four personal fouls, he, he at least didn't have any of those funky little cursed fouls uh, that took him out of the out of the game. But uh, yeah, I think it's even a career. It's a year uh, year high. Is that a career high for him? I, I I don't know. Looking at his the rest of his stats, it might be close to it. Um, but yeah, it's got to go to Duran. but a little side note, uh, listening to the cameos that come in before each segment and everything, especially in losses like this, it makes you kind of sad to hear, hear players that were past that you'd wish you could pull into games like this, have a Max Bilfeld and a, and a James Blackman hitting threes in this game. Oh, to be fair, I don't know how much Blackman would have helped today. True. <laughs> defensively. True, defensive side. <laughs> love, true. love James. Yeah, he didn't really no. solve the problem we <laughs> no. were having. Max, Max would have helped I, today. I think he could have re- he could have recovered. I think maybe on the There's high hedge a little bit better. A lot of games this year, James would have helped. This is not one of them. <laughs> uh, fair, fair. Uh, we need we need we need laughter. Uh, okay, I would go with Duran as well. So I'm just going to throw out honorable mention to Al Durham for all the reasons that I said at the end of last segment because I thought offensively this was great, and if Al can bottle this and we can see more of it, you know, against Minnesota and some of these other games, that would be really big. Um, guys, one guy that we haven't talked about a lot today is Justin Smith. Um, you know, again, good reason. I know a lot of guys didn't play well, but you know, I think what was a little bit disappointing to me today about Justin is I thought he came out and played really well at the beginning of the game. Like I actually thought he was attacking. I thought, you know, he had the matchup of livers and livers didn't do anything at the very beginning of the game. Cause I thought Justin was pretty engaged. And it, he looked to me like a different guy when he got back in um, after the first sub. And I don't, you know, I have no, you know, I have no explanation for why, you know, finishes with nine points, two rebounds, 
you know, was not kind of the active guy on the offensive glass that we've seen. I thought defensively, you know, it took a precipitous drop when he got back in there. There was one play over on the, you know, the left wing. It was Livers or Brooks or somebody just made a pretty basic juke step and, you know, Justin really offered no resistance and the guy got right to the lane. Um, and again, you know, just, I, and I know like, you know, Justin has struggled with some of that and the consistency and all of that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess my lingering thought from this game and sorry, I was talking, you know, the micro thing and Justin, I'm turned into a macro thing. I, I guess my, my lingering it's thought. It's your show. Just keep going. No, but, but my lingering thought from this game is just, it's so frustrating to watch these guys. And then, you know, the word that you said earlier, Ryan, is give up in the middle of a game. And I would like to dispute that phrase. I can't. I just keep trying to figure out why. Because these are guys that fight at home. You know, we've seen it from every single one of these players before and come on here and talked about how proud of they, that we were of them in this game. Like, it's not like they can't do it. And I just, it, it gets depressing watching them on the road seeing a team that really just feels like either they don't believe in each other, they don't believe in the coach, they don't believe in the system. There's just not enough shared belief there to fight through tough moments, you know, and it, it just, it's, it's dispiriting to watch. Um, and that, to me, that's kind of what I saw from Justin was a guy who came out of the gates, like ready to go and played some of his best basketball the first five minutes. And there was a different guy after that. And I don't know why. I offer no answers. I just know that it's the lingering question I take out of this game that we're going to have to answer if we're going to win one of these three road games. Yeah. And I was hoping, I actually felt like weirdly optimistic heading into today. <laughs> that worked out well. Um, yeah, that did not. That did not. Go no, over. it did not. Are you sure that wasn't the drugs you're on that, that caused that? <laughs> I, you know, at this point, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Um, so anyway, right. I mean, Ryan or Chad, take that where you want. I, I, Either I, talk no, about Justin or the larger question. My very first note of this game was Justin uh, getting involved early, good for IU. That was my very first written note of this game because we've seen so many other games where if he makes one of the first basket or he gets engaged offensively early in the game, then it continues to be good for IU because then he gets he gets open some more. He, he relieves pressure off whoever's playing underneath because they have to uh, stay honest to him. Um, and then we know from the past that he's consistent on defense. So we know we're going to get good defense from him. So if we get two good sides of, of, of the court from him, then we know things are good. So that's why I was excited at the beginning of the game to see that from him. And then uh, he just lost it. He, he lost effort or I don't know what, but what, what, I hope to, what I hope he goes into practices with and I hope he's working on uh, when we don't see him on the court is either like a, a couple dribble uh, then spot up shot or something because teams again are playing off of him and he's so athletic and so fast. And it, it goes back to how I've felt about him in the past where he's that player you want to shake because he's got that raw athleticism that you want to see uh, blossom to the next step or next level. And he just, for some reason, can't find it, can't get there. Um, and then just checks out for games like this. Yeah, I mean, Chad said it. It's just it's 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 maddening to see because you know what that guy's ceiling is, and it's things like you know his jumper. He, he you know we've talked about that before. How he kind of releases it on the way down. He does this long jump and then releases a shot. It's like you can work on that, and fix that. It's not hard. And I'm not saying he doesn't work hard. I'm sure he does. But you've got to have the focus and and the will to not only work on things like that, but then translate it to your game. And then when you're playing in the game to take things to the next level, because I guarantee you, if you 
shot Justin up with true serum and asked him, he'd say, yeah, I'm playing as hard as I can. Like he believes he's playing really hard. And I think a lot of these guys do. The problem is they're not. And and, and there's definitely an extra level they can unlock. And whose job extra. is it to show them where that boundary is? I mean, I look, I, I think I'm that's not, ultimately where it comes, you know? Yeah. At some point, I mean, you know, you either find that or you don't. And the reason you find it is because you get pushed into finding it or you push yourself. I mean, there's some guys who push themselves. There's some guys, I mean, Victor Oladipo, what Tom Creed did not need to push him. You know, he was a guy who wanted, he obsessed about getting better and about improving and about finding that extra gear and finding that extra level. Uh, I think, I think Thomas Bryant was that way too. He, he just, he had an obsessive desire to be more athletic and to be better and to improve and to, you know, all that stuff. And, and some people have that. Some people don't. And the ones who don't need somebody to push them. And I think Justin's one of those guys who needs a push. I think Devontae Green needs a push. I think some of these guys, they have the ability, you know, inside them. It's just a matter of harnessing it and, and, and sending it in the right direction. And I just don't feel like that's happening. And I don't feel, I feel like some of these players have the potential to be a lot better and probably will be under this coaching staff. But some of them, we'll never make it with this coaching staff. And it's sad to see because there's just a disconnect. Yeah. Anything else from this game guys that we haven't talked about that we want to talk oh, no, about? I'm, I'm done. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done thinking about it for the rest of my life and I'll be very happy about it. Wow. For the rest of your life. Yeah. I don't want to think about this one again. Yeah, that's true. Do you, can you, can you blame me? It's, I know I got to do Banner Monday though with Mike DeCourcy, so we'll probably have to mention it. Maybe we'll just focus let, on. Let the him Iowa talk game. about it. You can just sit back. I just ask the questions off the ledge like he always. Does. I don't. I don't. I don't have to say much. Mike. Uh, Mike always brings the goods. Doctor Love, that is. Doctor Love, that's right. <laughs> Doctor Love. Um, all right. So coming up next for the Hoosiers on Wednesday night is another it's road Wednesday. game. Okay. Uh, it is and at our Minnesota, favorite venue. Our favorite venue. And at our favorite time because it is a nine o'clock Eastern start. So it will be yeah. a late one. Uh, this was, of course, the site of Indiana's most pathetic performance last season, uh, that game at Minnesota. Hopefully, that they was the something. game where massive changes were coming. <laughs> and, you know, and they, they did for a little while. Yeah. But the problem is they've never really lasted. So I have not seen Archie's postgame comments. I hope that there are no promises of big changes. Um, I think that's really something that he needs to just stop saying. Uh, he and, said, uh, you can't go on the road and play with just one or two guys who happened to show up. That was the money quote that I saw. So I don't know. I don't really have any reply to that right now. Yeah. Um, so Minnesota currently uh, 31st in Ken Palm. They, oh, they lost to Iowa today. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Apparently a heartbreaker. Uh, does anybody know anything about them? Because I have to cough real quick. <laughs> Someone jump in. No, I don't know nothing about them. I just know that Indiana needs to win that game. Uh, if you're going to make up for losing those two home games in the conference, you, you got to win that one, definitely. Because remember, you got Penn State as, as your one home game in this stretch is Penn State, and Penn State's looking like a Final Four team right now. I mean, they, they really are. They're really good. And, you know, they kind of crushed you when you went to Penn State. So... Uh, you got to pick this one up. I think this is the, it, 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 as far as road games go. This is the must-win road game if you have that's left. I think Purdue maybe, but I don't know. I mean, based on what they've done at home and what I saw last Saturday, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna place any faith in that. We'll see. I, I, I do. I agree with you. I think they need to come out and play well against Minnesota and get that win. By the way, uh, Indiana currently 49th in Ken Palm. 
Here's something that uh, won't make you feel good. Indiana's adjusted defensive efficiency uh, in 2018, Archie's first season, was 65th in the country. Last year, 2019, nice little step up, 32nd. Again, remember the offseason talk, year three bump in the pack line. Could this be this a top defensive 20 efficiency? Defense? Defensive sorry, efficiency. Yeah. We are now 67th in adjusted Ooh. defensive efficiency, which is worse than Archie's first season. We are playing against a better schedule, though, right? Yeah, but it's adjusted. No, it's adjusted. Okay. So we are, but just much worse defense. I mean, anyway. So there's your Big Ten stat of the day. Retweet it, Mark Titus. Uh, all right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code ASSEMBLY20. So if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order. All right, guys, it is time for last call, and then we can get on with the rest of our Sunday and go watch the Dallas Renegades in the XFL with former Indiana coach Bob Morris as their player personnel guy and T. Gray Scales on the team as well. So cheer for your Renegades because there's an IU flavor there. Uh, Chad, why don't you go first? Last call. Homer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Like literally. I, exactly. I, I'm going to do, I mean, I'm going to do what I can to uh, uh, try to cleanse myself of this game. Uh, start off the week well. Uh, go into hump day. Uh, hopefully hoping being putting the effort in as a fan, as I always do. That's what I can control. I can control my effort as a fan, cheering for the team, being at least slightly as optimistic as I can, uh, despite uh, what they're showing up for us. But uh, going down the road, I think it's, it's, it's one of these moments now where we just kind of find out, uh, which sadly we haven't figured out yet, who wants it on this team and who doesn't. And uh, that also qualifies for the coaching staff. So they need to figure out what's going on and uh, change things quickly. Uh, if not, it's going to be a very aggravating Twitter the rest of this season, and it's going to be uh, a, a tough year for me blood pressure-wise. Apparently, L.A. is up 3 nothing on Dallas early in that game. Disappointing. Oh, I'm glad you gave me an update because I was dying to know. Hey, come on. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is family stuff now. I know. Come on. Uh, all right, Ryan, over to you. Yeah, it's You just, just saw San Diego had an AAF team, and now they don't have any. Spring well, football. and the reason they couldn't have an XFL team is because the AAF team booked all the stadium time and then folded. So what a disaster that was. I uh, know. San Antonio yeah. team would have won it all. Hypothetical AAF champions. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, for all you AAF fans out there dying for commentary, uh, read Jared Morris's forthcoming book on the AAF. Um. Look, I, I just think that this is yet another performance where Indiana just got smoked on the road. And and at some point, things have to change. And whether that's your rotation, the players you're using, the methods you're using when you go on the road, the flight patterns, the pilots, change the pilots. I You know, I like I don't care. Maybe just play Nebraska again. It, well, yeah, just reroute your, your plane and say, oh, it's a big accident. Can we just switch? It's, you know, again, it's something has to change and Archie's got to change it. He's the guy, he's the guy in charge. You know, you can't, it, it, I know a lot is, has been made about these aren't his players and, and that's true. And I'm sure there are some fits on this team that he wishes he didn't have and, and would rather have other people and, and all of that. But that's true of a lot of coaches in their early parts of their, you know, tenure. And, and that doesn't, that's not an excuse for getting embarrassed on the road against a, you know, an okay team. Uh, I, I just, I, I get that they might not be his players, but he's also playing the guys that, you know, are the supposed problem players a lot. 
and he's giving them a lot of chances on the floor. And if those guys don't play for you, if those guys don't play hard for you, if those guys don't accomplish the tasks you're asking them to, there's no reason for them to be in the game. And, and nobody is forcing you to use them. I realize we have a limited roster, but dude, you can put them on the bench. You have other options. And, and at this point of the season, if you're looking to win games, if that is your goal is to win games, you got to put players in a better position to succeed. And you've got to take the guys who aren't helping you succeed out of the equation. And, and that's, that's as simple as it gets. And if guys aren't playing hard, if they're not, you know, implementing the game plan you want, take them out of the game and put them on the bench and use different guys and use different lineups. And you, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's options available. You can't just throw up your hands and say, well, these aren't my players. These aren't the guys I want. Well, you've got a whole bench full of guys that you recruited, put them on the floor and find a way to mix it and match it. Maybe it won't work, but at least you're trying something different and at least it looks different. So that's my message from this game. You get hammered by 24 against a Michigan team that is, you know, decent. It's a decent Big Ten team. It's not a great team. This isn't like you were getting hammered by Maryland where they were at their absolute peak or something like that. This is a Michigan team that not that great. And, and Indiana got run out of the gym. It wasn't a close game. It was never a close game. It didn't feel like a close game. So if that's going on and that's happening, things need to change and they need to change big. And there, there needs to no more talk about changing things. Just change them and do something different. Because if that, if you don't do that, then you're going to be looking back on the season as a huge missed opportunity when you're sitting at home on Selection Sunday. Someone in the chat asked for this. Make no excuses. So there you go. That that was from you know. You here's go. the thing, you know, Ryan, you hit on something, and actually Mike mentioned this in the chat. Um, you know, you're right. Like if it's not working, you do have to go one of two ways. Like you have either got to play different guys and sit guys on the bench who it's not working for, or you have to change what you're doing to either try to reach those guys or put them in a better position to succeed. What doesn't work is just continuing to do the same things over and over again and expecting different results. But, you know, to the point that Mike made in the chat, you know, from the very beginning, one of the things Archie said that really impressed me in his initial introductory press conference was, I didn't recruit these guys, but these are my players. You know, and he really seemed to be a, a coach that kind of, you know, that took that to heart. Like, it's kind of a platitude, like, you know, probably all coaches say that. But it's like, okay, you know, he didn't recruit these guys, but he kind of re-recruited, you know, Justin and Al and, and Clifton Moore. Obviously, that didn't work out. But, you know, re-recruited those guys to come back, obviously inherited, you know, Devontae and Duran. And a lot of the criticisms have gone to those guys. And I think, you know, Ryan, you're right. It's It's got, like, going in the middle ground of, like, not doing much or a little bit different here, a little bit different here doesn't work. Like, he's either got to say, look, guys, we are going to play this way. This is the way that we're going to play. You're in or you're out. And like sit for a whole game or sit for a long time. Or you got to say, look, this is the way that I want to play. I realize this isn't really working for this group. Let's adjust a few things. You know, let's let's do this together and try and reach those guys and get them a little bit more more motivated. So it feels like he's trying to to like straddle the fence a little bit and it's just not working. And that's the frustration because I just, you know, I can't walk out of a game. I mean, the enduring vision or, or, or image of this game is seeing players not playing hard on the court, you know, but I just, I feel like at this point with how much we've seen this for three years, it goes deeper than just the players don't care. You know, now I think that's kind of the proximate cause, right? Like that's the outcome, but you know, they're not being made to care. They're not being shown that they need to care. They're, you know, the, 
the system or whatever isn't being you know properly designed or communicated to them to where there's full buy-in like whatever it is there's something that just feels kind of toxic in a sense going on that is leading to these give up performances on the road and that's really the best way to describe it is it was another give up performance there's no real good explanation for it but <clears throat> the guy in charge at this point needs to fix it and do something better and we just didn't see it today and hopefully we will on Wednesday because you know this is a stretch where Indiana plays four road games out of five I think we would all agree, right? If they can get one, we'd be happy. Just get one. I would have taken that at the start of this. So we didn't get the first one, but we got to go find a way to get one. The next one is probably the most gettable against Minnesota. Let's see if this team has a better effort than they had last year at Minnesota and certainly a better effort than they had today. And that's on the players and the coaches to go do it and get that done. All right. That is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Wednesday night after IU Minnesota. Until then, take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. There is no excuse for bad defense. Sandwiching him with their (laughs) toolness. Jared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right, chat mob. I now have the ability to get Jared back on his his drops. Oh, boy. He's also just a very genuinely positive guy. (laughs) All right. Things have evened up here a little bit. Uh, thanks for those drops, Max. We appreciate it. That was good. The calves, I like that. Worked that in there. I saw he sent a message to somebody. Like, oh, was that about potentially guest hosting? Yeah, I asked him if he wanted to come on with us today. What's he up to? I don't. He said he's not doing. He hasn't done any broadcasting work in the last year, or so I think he's he's working somewhere up in Chicago. Yep. <coughs> My apologies, everybody, for all the coughing today. <clears throat> Hopefully, he's been good us. on the broadcast the few moments he's had. So he'd, yeah. he'd be great on the show. No, I thought he did a good job. So. Hopefully. How dare you cough, Jared? This is a very serious program. I tried to I tried to keep it off the the broadcast. God, that was that was bad. Mm. You know what you know what the we hard part is? here on this show. We're <laughs> the the hard part is seeing it happen and just knowing it's gonna happen and like it's like the second half. All right, it's happening again. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know it felt like we should have been down fifteen at halftime, actually. So, I guess it. I don't know. That was just very disappointing. <laughs> it, it it stings a little extra more when you get false hope, like you did at times in this game, at the at the start of both halves, the start of the first half, and then and then uh, start of the game, and then the start of the second half, being down five, and you're like, okay, good, we have a chance, we can do this. Yeah, yeah I mean they they had a nice little stretch there at the start of the second half, but you know, but it was like. It it felt like Michigan was going to go on that run, and then yep. they just did. Like it just, it never you felt. You knew it solid. wasn't gonna. Yeah, you know, you knew it wasn't gonna last. I mean, it just it felt like the whole time something was off, you know. And 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 I don't know. It's just with this team. I I, I mean, I I've, I've never been on the fire as you bandwagon, and I'm not there now. But I just feel like there's a 
a disconnect on the road with this team just shows up soft. And it's like Archie, everything he talks about is how he doesn't want a soft team yet. He's got one. And yet he doesn't make big changes, you know, like this team is soft and I don't know as oh somebody posted it, uh, it was Cameron posted as the Indiana coach. Archie Miller is seven and 23 in true road games and seven and 19 in big 10 road games. The average margin of defeat in big 10 road games is 12.7 points. Good grief. Like that's not acceptable. Like I, you can say you can talk about the players or whatever, but that's not acceptable. He's I think and somebody else said he's one of 17 on the road against tournament teams. Again, not acceptable. Like it's just not, you need to be better than that. It doesn't matter who you are and, and who your t- who your players are and all that, you got to be better than that. Mm. Like that's, you know, with a guy who's as smart as Archie is and knows as much about basketball as he did, does and can identify the problems, he's got to be able to put the solutions into practice. It's just not enough. So that's where I'm at. Well, <clears throat> well said. I just, yeah, you get you get you hear so many people on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast and guys that are in the know and have seen things and know him and and say he's the right guy and and he's the man and, and the program may be better and I I still kind of believe that as a whole but you see moments like this season and it, and it it makes you question what those people are saying. Yeah, I mean, I think he has a good vision for how to play basketball. I don't think Trey Galloway is gonna like. I think Trey Galloway is one of those self motivated guys when he gets here next year that isn't going to have a problem bringing it. But right now, Archie has a group that, and has for the last few years, that doesn't, and they need something extra from their coach or something. I mean, you know, maybe it's just a maybe it's just a group of players that no coach could reach. I don't know. Well, but, you mean you can't you can't say that Coach Roberts isn't in there screaming at them about pride and about the program and all that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't have answers. We have. We have. It's fun. Some would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right chad <laughs> we're gonna have to just get i mean that's ideally that's what we need we need like a producer who's not in the show that can actually just be here to like put the drops in at the right times because i can't <laughs> do a good enough job when i'm actually trying to participate in the show <laughs> uh all right let's get out of here i'm gonna go now yeah get out later. Right, thanks see guys everybody see you guys later. thanks for being here everybody The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with a ring-tailed lemur from Progressive or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle. <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.